welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. I know what you're thinking. Isn't she the lady dating Pete Davidson? Well, first of all, thank you so much. And second, no, that's like literally everyone else. But really, I'm fine. Not dating Pete Davidson gives me time to do more of the things I love, like baking and folding sweaters. And of course, recording this podcast. Each week, I talk to someone who nourishes the soul. And this week, we have someone who nourishes way more than just the soul, Chef Jose Andres. But before we get to him, there's some extremely exciting podcast news. One of my producers, Adam Howard, became a podcast parent. Just a reminder, if we hear the baby in the background, we're going to need her to sign a release. Okay, Adam. Tell us everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of reeling because, as I was saying before to you guys off air, um, the baby came almost a month early. I, that's her. I don't know if you oh, heard her. First, first appearance I'll send on the, the release. <laughs> <laughs> so that brought all sorts of sort of unexpected challenges, and we were definitely not prepared for that. But um, the good news is she's perfectly healthy. She was born very small, like five pounds four ounces, and. Uh, we were nervous about that because uh, newborns lose weight, and she fell down to five, but we got her up to five seven, and she's trending in the right direction, and everything else is good. If anything, I just have so much admiration for people who go through this and on their own. I just can't imagine doing this by yourself, and I also have even more resentment for people who are sort of mocking parents who want to do it together because there's so many reasons to do this with two people and the the absurdity that that's like a controversy now that Mm -hmm. somebody would want to stay home and help care for their own child is nuts but uh but yeah no i mean we're, we're doing wonderful um i am not super helpful in terms of food preparation. <laughs> I'm good at a lot of other things. So I'm not one of those people who can sort of just like walk into a kitchen and like whip up something. Like I need mm-hmm. instructions. I need ingredients. Mm-hmm. But I'm totally open to any suggestions you have about something I could make my wife that would be like a nice treat. As sort well, of a, you did it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, like we, when we had our first child, which was in 2006 in the dead of winter. And then we were like, everyone was like, you have to keep your apartment so warm and we turned the crank the heat to like 86 and we were Mm. all sweat it was like we were so weird but one thing that jason did for me when i was like really struggling i struggled at first with breastfeeding it was really really hard even if it was three o'clock in the morning he would (laughs) he would get up and make me just beautiful thinly sliced buttered crispy toast with Ooh. soft scrambled eggs. That sounds really good. Chives. At any time of day. At any time of day or night, he would be like, Do you it's want an amazing egg? service. Do you want some egg toast? Do you want egg toast? Because we were like, oh, you got to eat a lot of eggs. I got to eat eggs. I got to have protein. I'm just making so much milk. And then, <laughs> and it was just like, just so tender to be fed, even the simplest comfort yeah, food. I can handle that, I think. You can do egg toast. I definitely can do the toast part, the eggs, you know, we'll work on that. But. Nice, buttery, crispy toast with yeah. a soft, beautiful egg on top. Mm. It just meant the world to me. And um, anyway, after a while, I was like, can you make me egg toast? And he was like, no, it's too, it's, that time has passed. You're like, no more then we toast. need to have another kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. Oh, my gosh. We, um, podcast listeners, we got to see the baby. <laughs> And she's a beaut. You must be in <laughs> heaven. Are you in baby bliss? Yeah. I mean, it's it's very surreal. And mm-hmm. um, she's incredibly sweet and 
you know, every, at this age, as you know, they change so much day to day. So I feel like I still am getting to know her. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a really wonderful few days and I have no complaints. That's it's all great. Amazing. Oh, God, we'll talk more about this baby, this so-called baby of yours. Um, (laughs) No, she exists. We saw her. She's real. (laughs) Okay. Don't go anywhere because we have Chef Jose Andres coming right up. Joining me today is renowned chef, restaurateur, author, humanitarian, Jose Andres. Chef Andres has restaurants all over the globe, racking up Michelin stars and high praise. He has been named Chef of the Year by Bon Appetit and GQ, has numerous James Beard Foundation Awards, has been on the Time 100 list multiple times, and even garnered a Nobel Peace Prize nomination for his humanitarian work with his organization, World Central Kitchen, a nonprofit that brings meals to communities in crisis. I'm sure you've seen them. The accolades are endless and so well-deserved. So please welcome to the show, Real Life Mensch, Jose Andres. Hola, que tal? Oh, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm wondering what did I what did what I done in my life to deserve being invited by you to your podcast? Oh, well, you know, I know that it's an honor and I just <laughs> just want to say thank you for acknowledging. No, it is. I'm so, I have to tell you, I think you're so great. It is such, it's very exciting for me to be speaking with you. I love the work that you do, the restaurants that you own, your humanitarian work, your cookbooks. I have your most recent vegetable cookbook and I love it. So it is, um, it is just so exciting for me to be talking to you. Now, where Okay, it's dark where you are. Where are you right yeah. now? May I ask? I mean, it's, it's dark right now, but yes, it's, it's funny. Before it was not dark. It's kind of amazing. That's so weird. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like before it was like a beautiful bluish, reddish oh. kind of sunset and then goes what? into black. It's like, I, I ask myself, why these things happen? Why did you, this, you know, where, where did the sun yeah. go? Yeah. Did it fall in the ocean? No, but the worst part, Samantha, is like the sun doesn't even say bye. It's like, <laughs> hey, Jose, Jose, uh, Jose, I'm leaving. I'm I'm about to let the moon and Jupiter yeah. come up. No, it's like, no, no, no explanation. It's like, I'm checked out. Boom. Bye. See ya. Yeah. Maybe I'll so, be back tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. So, yeah. <laughs> so darkness can be beautiful too. Yes. Actually, darkness is very beautiful. It is beautiful. And I am in a place called uh, Marbella in oh. the south of Spain. Yeah. Oh, well. Mar, 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 Bella. Mar, sea, Bella, beautiful. That's beautiful sea. Mar, Bella. Beautiful sea. That yeah. sounds amazing. Are you there for work? Are you there for pleasure? Are you there for both of those things? None of those things. All of those things. This is a good question, Samantha, because. I mean, I, I am a very lucky one, and I, mm-hmm. I know many people are maybe not in the same position. Mm-hmm. But for me, me my, my work is pleasure. So right. I'm always... You're always like, doing it. They, they, are you working or, or are you pleasure? I'm like, I'm right. a pleasure. I'm pleasure working. Pleasure working. Oh, my God. That's such a good... 
Oh, that's a great perspective. Okay. So let me, how many, okay. How many restaurants do you own, preside over? Do you, do you even remember? Do you have a count? <laughs> Careful what you wish for, but yeah, yeah we, we, we have few. I mean, mm -hmm. all over what the happened place. There, but Samantha, they are not restaurants. They are stories. Okay. Okay. I, I like to tell stories. Um, I, I, I am not a very good singer. I'm not a very good painter. I'm not a very good writer. Not very good at many things. <laughs> but I know how to cook. I'm not sure I know how to run a restaurant. But then I have all these wonderful people around me that makes those dreams happen, right? Mm -hmm. So my the restaurants they are the stories, right. the stories of 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 what I learned, what I saw, of woman that. I was uh, not too far away from where, where I am right now. Is this little town called Istan. I-S-T-A-N. Istan. Mm -hmm. And it's a town at the end of the road. We all want to know a town at the end of the road. Okay, right. this is a town at the end of the road. Okay. And I went there on a Sunday night and I found this bar. And, and, and I was walking through the town and was... This is a dry part of Spain, Andalusia. I never seen more water anywhere. Was fountains everywhere. The oh. fountains, the water was like talking to you. Anyway, I get lost. Finally, I go to a bar next to the church, a very good place to put a bar. Um, and in the bar was the few remaining people late at night in a cold night. Many of them were women. And they began, they recognized me because some, some people know me. Mm -hmm. And they began giving me recipes. Oh, <laughs> unknown recipes, mm -hmm. showing me their photos in their phones. And and I spent like two hours and a half. And is this moment that I, I think I know everything about the Spanish cooking? Mm -hmm. Or people think because you are a chef, you know everything. Right. And me, it's a long time ago that I recognized that what I know is that I know nothing. Okay. So my restaurants are the stories of women like them. Right. So how many I have? As many as the stories. But uh, I think it's like 25, 30 locations now. Sure. But it's not, they're not my restaurants. They, they are the restaurants right. of the people that I'm lucky to work with. Do you still have, like, you know, traveling the world, eating as much food that is just present, people just want to show you what they've created and they want to tell you what they have created. Do you still have space in your imagination to go, what the hell is this? What am I eating right now? This is incredible. Oh yeah. And, and it doesn't happen with the most mm -hmm. crazy, expensive, difficult right. to get ingredients. Right. I think, I think one thing we all need to do, Samantha, is to, to try to to remain being a little kid, right? When when we saw the the gift under the tree for the first time, in my case, we used to celebrate the three kings on January the sixth, right? On Epiphany Day, right? But what I'm telling you is that I think sometimes because we have so much knowledge right now, because mm -hmm. everything is it is at the fingertips of our yes. phone. And we can know about everything. I think we all go sometimes like I know it all. Mm -hmm. And 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 this it's okay because knowledge is important. And I want people to feel strong and secure 
but at the same time, doesn't allow us sometimes to open up ourselves to what we don't know. Right. I was in this restaurant by this other woman north of Madrid, Toledo. Mm -hmm. The sun runs, it's a restaurant called Leda. They're very big on game and, and, and traditional uh, uh, cooking from northern Madrid. But the mother was making for her and the husband a sopa de ajo, garlic soup. Right. I know garlic soup. I've made many times garlic soup, different varieties, different variations, very big in mm -hmm. deep Spain in the hunger times. But she was making a garlic soup like I'd never seen before. Oh. The garlic soup was not a soup anymore. She was making it in a pan, an iron cast pan. Uh -huh. And what she was doing was using the leftovers of the soup of the day before, where you have this kind of mix of bread and pimenton, paprika and olive oil and water and the garlic. And she put that mix on the pan, uh -huh. still wet, but the pan was very hot. And by leaving it there and believing in it, she began getting like a crust on the bread. Okay. The crust took like 30 minutes. And then she turned that thing all over. And then she did another crust on the other side. Like if she was making like an omelet with yeah. crispy, crispy outside and soft okay. inside. She put it on the plate and she called that sopa de sartén. Sartén in Spanish is a pan. All of a sudden, this woman was able to do a soup that traditionally will be served in a soup plate or in a bowl. She made the soup that was crunchy and she could <sighs> serve it in a flat plate. You see, with very simple, humble ingredients, it's still, if you look, if you watch, if you are willing to listen, right. you will always surprise yourself with the most insignificant of ingredients, but with the most fascinating people that they are able to do magic out of nothing. This sounds delicious. I think everyone's listening right now and their mouth is watering. I, I want a crunchy, I want some crunchy soup. <laughs> I will not attempt this at home, but it sounds amazing. Do you then try and you're like, I got to recreate that. I got to figure this out. Is it a puzzle for you? Is that, does the creative part of your brain then just go, I just never thought of this. I admire it so much. Yeah, that happens. Usually we'll go into a book of ideas. Yeah. Usually we go in a WhatsApp where I, I am connected to all my creative team. Mm -hmm. And this idea will go into a wall. And one day, for one reason, we'll pick up that idea from the cloud of dreams. And yeah. maybe we'll become a dish, well, a mini bar, my high-end restaurant. Yeah. Maybe at Haleo, my Spanish middle ground restaurant, uh -huh. maybe at Bazaar, my more high-end uh, eclectic uh, restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, maybe it becomes an idea for a TV show, a cooking TV show. Maybe it becomes an idea for one day a movie. Who knows? Uh -oh. So so we we get those ideas and we make sure that they are in a, they are not just forgotten in a box, but that they are somewhere like a lighthouse Right. That the ideas keep throwing that message into our eyes, into our brain, saying, hello, I'm here. Right. Hello, right. I'm here. So those ideas, one day sooner or later, we will dedicate time for That's them. Great. The important part was for me that that idea got into my little brain. Yes. And now is living inside my brain somewhere. That is great. I love those little booklets. 
of just random ideas. And then every once in a while, you kind of treat yourself and go a little walk through your imagination from six months ago. And you go, oh, my God, that's soup. Remember that? I got to talk about that. And then it goes away for a little while. And then you come back to it. I have so much to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about, you know, not just soups, but like the climate. I want to talk about World Central Kitchen. I got to talk to you. We just have a lot to discuss. Is that, okay, so let's talk about World Central Kitchen, first of all. Is that an idea from your little book that you were just rattled around in your brain for a long time and you were like, how can I specifically be a humanitarian? Like, what? how do I, how do I pitch in? Was that something that rattled around in your brain for a while? And when did you know to make that a reality? Yeah, uh, this went into a piece of paper saying we need a quicker response for food and water. Right. Um, uh, And this happened, I'm not going to go back when I was a young boy and my father and mother were nurses and I saw one-on-one empathy uh, in the front lines by all these men and women going beyond their duty to, to provide relief to others. We've seen it in this pandemic how millions of men and women, they've given their best to keep everybody healthy and try to save as many lives as they could. But I think for me, it was many moments, quickly. Um, arriving to Washington, D.C. and meeting Robert Egger, okay. uh, the founder of D.C. Central Kitchen. Uh, is the place I learned the power of food. A guy that took homeless out of the streets, got food that was about being waste put them together and in the process was making sure the most important that people were not being waste. He trained them to be cooks. We fed the homeless population uh, of Washington, D.C. I arrived there as a young cook. I became the chairman. Robert Egger told me that philanthropy seems is about the redemption of the giver when philanthropy should be about the liberation of the receiver. Uh. That, that phrase got in my forehead. Mm-hmm. Then I, 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 I learned through that organization through the years, the power of food to try mm-hmm. to improve the lives of others. Uh, and, and then happens that in front of my restaurant in 1996, they discover an apartment that was forgotten. That happens was all the belongings of a legendary woman that was a woman that worked in the flying hospitals during the Civil War. The flying hospitals were those hospitals behind the lines so they could take care of the soldiers. Was a woman that created the office of the missing soldiers so she could find what happened to the loved ones and trying to bring closing to the families that didn't know where their 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 sons and daughters may be buried. And, and this woman is the one that created the Red Cross. This is Clara Barton. Okay. Clara Barton was a, a, a nurse like my mom. Me, I thought, man, if a woman like that with almost no, no, no bigger support was able to create something so huge and such a response, being a nurse, uh, any other profession can apply the same mentality of Clara Barton to do more with your own profession. So Clara Barton was important in me in trying to think this way. And then a moment that was very important, Katrina. I, right. I still regret to this day I didn't go to Katrina. Because we saw so many people in the Superdome yes. hungry and thirsty and many things happening. You know what a Superdome is? You know what an arena is? People have it wrong. An arena is a gigantic restaurant 
that entertains with the sports and music. Uh, okay. We were supposed to be there, send cook, send food, uh -huh. and in a matter of one hour, start feeding everybody in need. Right. And those moments is what began building in me the need of having to do something quicker and faster right. on emergencies. Haiti happened, 2010, I'm in Cayman with my friend Eric Rippert and Anthony Bourdain, and I thought, I'm not going to do like in Katrina. A few weeks later, two, three weeks later, I got on a plane and I went to Haiti. And that, there is the moment that Wall Central Kitchen began, began in a way. Right, right, right. World Central Kitchen has become so huge and is really just like integral. We see you everywhere now. We just see you out there making like beautiful hot sandwiches and stews and things that people that nourish people and giving them water and giving them comfort, just like a moment of comfort. We just see you out there doing it all the time. So it's become a large operation. Did you have any understanding or belief that it would become as big and as essential as it became? Did you, was that your dream? Well, listen, when, when we call it Wall Central Kitchen, obviously we had some intentions, right? Sure. But the, but it's not like we put um, huge amounts of money used to make it big on its own. Right. The necessity made the organization the bigger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We began responding to more and more hurricanes. We began responding to hurricanes. We began responding to volcanoes. We began responding to fires. And every time we will not have one mission, but two and three. And it's still today, World Central Kitchen is very small compared to right. the amount of need that is in the world. I want to be, uh, I want to be in Ethiopia right now. Mm -hmm. We want to be in Afghanistan right now. We want to be in the many places that are still in emergencies mm -hmm. Israel need. But take a look at this last September, Samantha. Yes. In 35 days was something very special to me. We responded to the earthquake in Haiti, unfortunately another one, that for me was amazing because we shown how much we've grown. Right. In less than 12 hours, we were doing tens of thousands of meals all across the south part of Haiti. World Central Kitchen showed me right there that we've matured. I was able to land one or two days after the earthquake. And for me, was uh, I almost was crying watching the teams just do what we do and me which I become one more team member, everybody knows what I like to do. I like to go to look for the communities that they've been impacted the harder and make what I call first contact. Make sure that we arrive with food and to tell them, we cannot fix everything, but food and water is not going to be one of your problems and we'll come back tomorrow. If you need anything else, let us know. And this is how we do it. From, from Haiti, we went to Louisiana. Uh, I landed like 12 hours before the hurricane came and Amazing again how we were able to arrive to Huma, to to Low Nine, to little uh, little Cayu, to 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 Lafitte, to the many communities that were hit hard. And again, gave me finally little bit of, of saying, you know, during Katrina I didn't do anything, but in this one here we are next to the people of Louisiana. Okay. And then we responded to Afghanistan uh, to the Afghani, uh, Afghans living. Uh, Afghanistan, and we responded in 10, 11 cities across the world from the American base uh, of Rota in Spain to Doha, Qatar with the military to Dallas Airport in Washington, D.C. We were there waiting for the Afghan families to arrive, giving them a welcome with food. 
and 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 water and and other and other things uh, uh, they needed. Uh, and so that's World Central Kitchen. Uh, today we are an organization that we try to respond as quick as as fast as emergency. Right. We don't take no as an answer, and we don't have a plan. We adapt. When you plan too much, we learn in this pandemic that if you follow a plan, you will always fail because more often than not, nothing goes as you plan. Therefore, you freeze in the adversity of the moment. Right. When you plan and train to adaptation and to embrace uh -huh. the complexity of the moment, uh -huh. every every mayhem becomes an opportunity for service. Right. Every moment of chaos becomes the the chance you got to show everybody what you got right. and that you are going to show them that you are going to be next to them and that they are not going to be walking alone one more hour. So you stay very nimble. You bring, you know, a wealth of like background and knowledge, but you let the circumstances dictate exactly how you respond with people who are there and they help you figure out a plan for just getting it, getting the work done and getting it to people. Are you surprised by the level of food insecurity that is in the United States? You know, this very rich, developed first world country. Does it shock you? Does it horrify you? No, I'm not shocked because I've, we've seen these coming from a long time. Right. Uh, the hunger lines we've seen in America, in the most powerful, rich country in the history of mankind. At the same time that we have a moment that we are throwing so much food away. Right. This only shows me how little importance uh, governments give to food and feeding people. From the White House to every other government around the world, food is something like we take for granted. Right. We don't see food as a national security issue. Right. Uh, we give more importance to everything else but to food. Mm -hmm. And I think um, what I've been working very hard, that's why I have this class at George Washington, uh, where we teach young students that one day will go into politics, that food very much is at the heart and at the center of everything we are. Right. Food is, is science, food is energy, food is hunger, food is health, food is poverty, food is immigration, food is job creation, food is the identity of who we are, mm -hmm. is our DNA. Food is climate change. Food, food is so many things. But still we don't, we treat food uh, like a pure commodity. Right. And we don't see that what we are facing right now, for example, in the rich countries, in the borders, that more and more immigrants are piling up. Let me tell you, we believe in longer tables, no higher walls. The wall is going to go to mayhem because what those people want is used to feed their children. Right. A mother will go to the ends of earth to feed yes. their children. Uh, and I will always be with those mothers no matter what. So let's be smarter with our immigration laws. And let's see that those people that are working with us in this pandemic, 11 million people working. You know who was working the farms of America? Right. The vast majority of them were all undocumented. Why some people are trying to tell us that those people are bad people? They only want for their, their children the same way the same thing you and I want for hours. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not difficult to understand. So let's make their life easier. Let's make right. sure that they help feed America, make our farmers richer, doing well, our mm -hmm. economy prospering. Let them go back to their countries, bring in the money they save, 
making their communities also richer, but also bringing the knowledge they acquire in America, making their food production in countries surrounding America better and better. All of a sudden, we will not need to have walls or police in the border because people actually are going to be doing well in their own countries. Right. Food should be at the center of that policy, but I don't believe we are going all in as we should. And that's why we are seeing these problems, right. not only in America, but in the surrounding countries of America. It's all interconnected. And we've done, you know, we've done many pieces on the show about how our food and our, our food system and agriculture and restaurants are, are fueled by the work, by the labor of undocumented people and how unappreciative we are just generally of that fact and and the lack of understanding that exists out there is a real barrier. It's a real barrier to progress. It is. And, and more for a country like it's been so uh, pragmatic as America. We, we are a young nation, but we yes. already have uh, over two centuries democracy. Democracy is never perfect. It's a uh, it's something we all need to be investing in making a little bit better every day. Sometimes moves forward, sometimes goes back, but then we don't give up and we try to make it better every right. time. Right. And that's that's what democracies are, an imperfect way of gathering humans around an idea. Yes. But I believe in we the people, but I believe in we the people, all the people. <laughs> we the people, the ones we may have a Spanish passport or an American passport, but the ones that don't have the passport, to me, they belong as much as I do. Right. Why? Because they are sweating their belonging every day. Mm -hmm. They are sweating with their hard work to be part of who we are. And it's a very big lie. If once and for all. And this is not about Republican or Democrats. Right. Quite frankly, I'm highly disappointed at both for not passing immigration reform to this point. There are a lot of disappointments, yes. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is that it's right now the moment uh, after seeing what happened in these last two years, that from the guy in the farm to the guy delivering the food to the supermarkets, to the guy maybe in the cashier, to the my guy maybe putting the person putting your bags in the back of your car, to the guy delivering the food to your home, maybe everywhere has been probably an immigrant and maybe it's been undocumented. Right. And that means that America has been functioning through this pandemic thanks to the labor of those people. I think it's not just the right thing to do. If you are Christian or if you are religious, it's the right moral thing to do. Right. If you are a good person, it's the moral thing to do. But even if you don't care about any of all the above, and even if you don't care about the people, like I give a damn about all these people, at least be smart and recognize that the life the quality of life you are enjoying is because of those people. Yes. So even if you don't care about them, because <laughs> I will say even you hate them. Okay, I'm not going to agree with you, but good for you. Bad for you, but good for you. But sure. support immigration reform because the quality of life you are enjoying is thanks. You like it or not to recognize it to those men and women. I agree with you completely. I want to I want to talk about the climate also. I got all the tough questions today, all the tough thoughts, but I did want to talk to you about you just announced the creation of a 1 billion dollar climate disaster fund. Are you now are you now a small functioning government on your own? <laughs> are you <laughs> This feels this 
feels huge. What is this? What what is this fund for? What will you do with this fund? What is your plan? Yeah. So, World Central Kitchen, we've been an organization that we've traditionally we've spent the money before we even got it in the bank. Okay. Which is not a very good way to run anything, mm -hmm. even if you are an NGO. Because NGO, you can go out of business too because you have to pay bills. Right. You have to pay people. Sure. And, but this is the reality. World Central Kitchen came from the blind side of anybody. At the very beginning, we were go to places and who are these people? But sometimes we, we began taking a bigger role, not because we were pushing anybody out. It's only because nobody was out there doing it. Right. Like in the Bahamas, if we didn't respond to Bahamas, 75,000 meals a day. I don't know who would because we landed there many days before some of the other big NGOs, more than a week before than some of the other big NGOs right? with huge budgets. And so, but the issue is that we are not an NGO that claims we do everything. We specialize in food and water. Hold on. We do other things. We bring solar lights. We bring, but only we do it because we are already Establishing the distribution system for food and water can be bringing medicines and solar lights and right. other things. But mainly we are food and water. Bring food to the hungry, water to the thirsty. The billion-dollar fund is used to go ahead to send a message that we are ill-prepared financially to respond to this climate change, where the people that suffer the most are the voiceless, the poor, and the forgotten because who has money moves away from those areas. Right. Because when you have money, why would you stay? Few people stay, but usually who suffers the most is the people that didn't have much in the first place. Right. That's what we need to be next to these people. It will be wrong for me just to go away and escape the reality that we're going to have tens of thousands of people going through mayhem. So this fund is used to be thinking that World Central Kitchen every day is responding to more and more and more um, uh, climate change right. um, uh, situations, including immigrants in the border, right. has everything to do with climate change. Right. Even when a volcano exploded in Guatemala, people are, Jose, what the volcano has to do with climate change? Absolutely nothing. But people were already so on the edge right. that anything, anything that just changes their livelihoods just creates chaos into total mayhem. So even a volcano that will have nothing to do with climate change creates so much disturbance that will move people right. to migrate. And then is when we see people in the border. So the fund is going to go specifically to be ready to have not only the cash in the bank to pay for the food and, and the people that join us, and the restaurants we hire or the food trucks or the planes or the or, or the many things that we have to do to bring food to people in need, but also uh, be ready to be thinking further, to have kitchens that we can, um, like we did in Bahamas, even took us 30 days, uh, 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 fill kitchens that we can put in any place in the world um, um, uh, to, to have our own food trucks uh, in case we are in some areas we don't have ability for the food trucks. To have a quicker and faster response, we are trying to work with universities to have first food responders to use the, the veterans that come back and, and join culinary schools 
to make sure we create a National Guard of food first responders. So every time it's in an emergency uh, that we need to do food in America or overseas, we can be getting those men and women who are ready, ready for service because they are strong, they have experience, and they want to be helping. So it's a whole bunch of, of reasons we're going to be using uh, uh, that fund. And that's what we announced, it, to bring to everybody awareness that we're not taking this seriously enough. Right. And that there is organization like us that we are, we may not be able to go to everyone, but we are going to be going as many as we can quicker than anybody else. Right. And people, people know it because they follow us. Right. And I think we are an, an NGO that created a new system. If you take a look, the beautiful thing about what Central Kitchen compared to any other NGO, if you go through my, my Twitter or any other, and, and you see that my Twitter, I use it more for World Central Kitchen than for my own business. If you go or you go World Central Kitchen, you will see hundreds of men and women that work with our volunteers, all of the above, that they do videos reporting what's happening in real time. Right. Not claiming we will do something tomorrow, but showing what we did yesterday. This is the model of World Central Kitchen, where it's an organization of many. It's an organization that everybody can own it and where everybody feels like they can be part of the solution. Right. This is such direct action. It's a very, um, it's very, it's, it's appealing and wonderful because, you know, I think in the past we're, we got so used to like, okay, now we have a telethon. Now we're going to do a big TV show and have people come out and then you donate money and then you don't know where that money goes. And in this case, it's just so directly to your most basic, most urgent needs for nourishment and for literally hydration. It's life. It's, it's life. Yeah. Like, for example, in La Palma, which was this volcano in this beautiful island in the Canary Islands. And by the way, I invite everybody, uh, once the volcano relaxes, to go there on vacation. It will be the best way to be supporting those communities. But uh, I was in La Palma, and the volcano created a lot of destruction. More than 3,000 homes uh, already under the lava. And many of the people we were trying to help uh, will be a farmer that lost his track because he didn't have time to move the track because the lava came in quicker than he thought. So we invested money in buying him a second hand track so he could keep performing duties right. uh, and make a living, uh, helping a cheesemaker that lost one of the machines he had to ferment the milk. We gave him the money so he can buy one right. and not to have to stop in the middle of the emergency. You see, this is the types of things that World Central Kitchen, beyond food and water, we're doing. Anything that has to do with food and water directly or indirectly, once we establish the food and water delivery foundations, we love to be there with the locals because we learn what the locals need. We learn that what the small business need. And this is another way the World Central Kitchen tries to make sure that in the, in the process of responding to the emergency, we are also already helping in the reconstruction. reconstruction. Sometimes we wait too long and you can be working on both at the same time. That's why we love when we go a place to buy from the local farmers, right. to buy from the local fishermen, to to hire the local restaurants, which is not like we hire them. They partner with us. Yeah. We wouldn't do it without them. But we need to pay the cost of them being out of business, bringing their staff, paying rent, paying food, paying and this is a great way to make sure that in the process of providing the relief, we don't throw use money at the problem, but we invest into the solutions. Right. 
every dollar we invest, we try to be a multiplier. That's the world central kitchen. Way. Oh, I love I love the idea of being a multiplier. So you're putting you're 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 just rebuilding people's infrastructure so that they can get back to so they can get back to doing what they do, getting back to their work so that they can rebuild faster. Just yep. yeah. I know that you are really passionate about reducing home food waste, which we just recently did a segment on the show that was even shocking to me. And I felt like I knew about food waste, but I really did not understand the scope of it, particularly in the United States. Is it, we are so bad about food waste in the United States in particular. How, how do you spread this message? Is it a difficult one for people to hear? Do they really understand? I think food waste, obviously, in rich countries, yeah. food waste in their homes um, has different implications depends who you are, right? Right. If you are living well and you have a wealthy life and you have food waste, you may say, well, who cares? I have all the money in the world to buy more food. But then we may be the same people that we go to, <laughs> we go to a strike to claim, let's fight climate change. Right. So the, the, the same people we are there use in the middle of Fifth Avenue, climate change, climate mm -hmm. change, and asking our, we're the same people that we are wasteful right. in our refrigerators. Right. So uh, this is a message for those people saying, we have to live our lives in the same way we are preaching we are living them. Right. If not, <laughs> it's a total disconnect. Mm -hmm. So if you want a better climate and a better world, every Everything is going to count because if you have less weight in your refrigerator means that you're going to do less trips to your supermarket in a year, means that you're going to consume less amounts of food, means that there's going to be less trucks going to refill the shelves of that supermarket, means you see, it just has a ripple effect. Right. Imagine that multiplied by hundreds of millions. Mm -hmm. Has a real effect. But then it's the other food ways. It's, let's say food waste of more middle class or even poorer America. America that sometimes is living paycheck to paycheck, week to week. It's sad that anything will go to waste because when something goes to waste, it's a part of your life goes to waste because it's the life you put away from your family working to bring those dollars that allow you to buy the food to feed your family. So I remember my mom, I, I live in a middle class family but my mom, at the end of the month, and my father, they will always be fairly short in cash. Right. I don't, I didn't face hunger or anything like that. Not at all. Middle class, working family. But the refrigerator in my house was always very empty at the end of the week, of the month. Uh -huh. Until my father, my mother got the next paycheck. My mom will get any leftover. Was always the same. Right. A little piece of dry chicken, a half an egg mm -hmm. that was boiled and was dry, dry, like you could hit it with a, <laughs> with a hammer and nothing will happen to it. And she will get the chicken and the egg and she will chop it and she will make a bechamel with the flour and the butter mm -hmm. or the oil and the milk. And then she will add the chicken and that egg and she will make this bechamel for croquetas. Okay. Then she will get the bread during the week or the month. She will put it in the coffee grinder. That's why the coffee in my house was always very... Uh, thick. Uh, was was always very heavy and thick, <laughs> I think. And 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 with those breadcrumbs, she will roll the 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 bechamel into the egg wash, the flour, and the breadcrumbs, and she will fry them. 
those were the dishes at the end of the month, which to me were amazing. They are right. the best memories I have as a child were never the dishes at the beginning of the month, mm -hmm. but were always those dishes at the end of the month. So I do believe food waste is very important because it's so much more money we can save to American families, especially those families that need it. Right. But more important, with less food waste, we will, even if it will look like it's a drop in the ocean, let me tell you, every drop counts that if we are not wasteful, we will help indirectly or directly reduce also uh, um, uh, the input in the way we produce food and the food we consume in the climate. Yes, I was so surprised to learn what an individual person's impact can be on lessening food waste. Like I think people do get hopeless and they go, it's such a huge, this issue is so huge, it's too big, my head exploded, I can't think anymore, please block it out. But you individually can actually make a very big difference by by not producing as much waste, by actually eating the things you have in your fridge, as opposed to going like, what's the date on that sour cream again? I think <laughs> I think I should just pitch it on the garbage, you know? We're going to have, I remember I was 25, 26 years old, President Clinton was uh, in power. Uh, uh, secretary Glickman, the Secretary of Agriculture at the time, and I was already in DC Central Kitchen, and a, a law passed during that those days was the Good Samaritan Law. Right. And and for me it was amazing because my restaurant was being used as the example of what the Good Samaritan Law meant that was protecting individuals or businesses from donating to right. NGOs from being sued. Right. And this opened a whole bunch of opportunities. This already has almost 30 years old law. But for me, it was amazing very early in my life to see the power of a bill having real effect in right. daily's, daily life right. of people. So everything counts at the highest level of democracy and the bills that can uh, solve many problems. But this has to be in coordination with what every one of us puts in to solve the problems. Right. Big problems have very simple solutions. Right. The we, the people that lives in the National Archives, I do believe we need leaders mm -hmm. that send the message that we, the people, we can be thinking different, we can have different religion, have different thoughts about different things, but always respectfully and always working together no matter what, finding a common ground solution. I think that we, the people, will win the day. The problems we are talking about from the big level to what every one of us can do, mm -hmm. everything counts. But we all have to have uh, a mentality that we are not alone, that every one of our actions, they're going to become super powerful if they are amplified by the actions of the people on our right and the people on our left. And then we can achieve anything we want. Oh, talking. I just, you have restored my faith in humanity. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. And also, I would like some croquettes now. I really, that sounds delicious to me right now. So, I mean, we can do two things, Amantha. I can send you the recipe <gasps> if you give me your phone later on. Okay. And we can do a Zoom. Okay. Uh, and show you how to make them from scratch one-on-one. Oh. Or 
even better, I can send you some croquettes and you don't have to do any of uh, the above. Oh, boy. I love every version of this. It's very good. Um, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. I thank you so much for taking time out of your beautiful dark night to speak to us. I love the work that you do. I just love the work that you do. And you have, I'm, I'm literally sweating. It's been so good. Just, it, it makes me feel. But remember, Samantha, yes. I don't do it alone. Uh, it's not no, no I, mean, I the person. Of course. It's, I go because I feel re-energized. Mm -hmm. But it's not only the men and women of World Central Kitchen, that many of them are like family to me. But it's the many people around the world that on top of their duties and their work, mm -hmm. Uh, leave everything else aside, just to dedicate a little bit of time to try to improve the life of some other person. This is the spirit of Old Central Kitchen. And and this is why I'm very thankful that I'm, I love to go to those moments mm -hmm. because I see the best of humanity in, in the worst moments of humanity, uh, 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 of the human experience. And this is what gives me joy and, like you said, hope. That yes, we should believe that the sun is going to mm -hmm. come up again tomorrow and it's another day to try to better the wrongs of yesterday. And that sun is not going to give you any warning. You're going to wake up and it's just going to be there and just be like, well, I came back. And you're going to be like, what? You thought it was dark. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, okay, yeah. well, fine. Blue skies, yeah. fine. I'm going to put him a bell. I'm going to put him a bell Give or something. Bell. Hey, can, can you, Just can you bell? Can you? Give me a little you know, warning. Hey, Jose, I'm coming up. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so, so much. You have a wonderful evening. Got to squeeze in another quick break here. Oh my God. I love him. Uh Adam, you should have asked him uh, your cooking question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure he has a great eggy toast recipe. For sure. I'm sure he has the best eggy toast. <laughs> it's like such a soft egg, like some super soft Spanish egg, and the yolk is like marigold. It's just like so orange. He's like, yes, whatever. <laughs> this is how we eat. Okay. That was exciting. All right. Well, as we know from Jeff Andres, not all superheroes wear capes. But some do wear aprons. Mm -hmm. While one of his signature dishes is paella, what would you designate as a signature dish for these other superheroes? Oh, okay. Okay, so we want a signature, signature dish, dish for Captain America. Signature <laughs> oh, dish. Like hot dogs. That's <laughs> a hot dogs. <laughs> Just a plate of hot dogs. Just a plate of hot dogs. Yeah, boiled. boiled. Oh, no buns. Because <laughs> 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 buns are too foreign. It's not American Hot enough. dog eating oh contest. Every meal. <laughs> I went to, I lived in Montreal for a while. And in Montreal, they call them vapor. Vapor. They're just like boiled hot dogs. And they just sit around in a pan. Well, we're talking about Captain America. He doesn't eat vapor. So. <laughs> Not Captain Canada. American boiled hot dogs. Not Captain okay. Canada. <laughs> well, Captain Canada loves a vapor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, well, this is a you know favorite of all of ours, uh, the great Wonder Woman and her lasso of truth. What should her uh, what's signature, her dish, signature be? dish? Ooh, I don't know if Wonder Woman eats. <laughs> she wears a goddamn bathing suit every day. She wears a bathing suit to fight crime. I don't know. I hope she eats. 
I hope she eats because <laughs> she needs a lot of strength. And she's like, you know, she's like from the that woman island where they're just like constantly doing the Amazons. Yeah, yeah the Amazons where they're like throwing javelins all the time. So I hope she's eating really, really well. But my guess is that if like Bon Appetit did it, they were like, what are you eating a day? She'd be like, well, I wake up and I have lemon juice and water. And then I just have a quick six almonds. And then it's dinner. <laughs> and <laughs> Three packs of cigarettes. <laughs> I hope that's not true. Oh. I hope that's not true. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so full. All six almonds? I can't. Not today. <laughs> uh, well, what about Batman? He's probably a hearty oh, eater. Batman. These superheroes of ours do not, are not culinary superheroes. I feel like Batman. <laughs> uh, what does Batman eat? Maybe like a, a dollar slice? A piece no, but of he has someone preparing his he's food because he yeah, lives Alfred. in his. So right. he's probably. It's like an empty china plate with like some small thing on it. Like, geez, what does I think? He, okay. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, they bring him like the plate with the silver lid that you know, like the big mm-hmm. showy, sure, like a showy. It's like one of those like tiny birds that you're supposed to like swallow the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but like, what would I think? I feel like Batman's such a a dork. I don't know what he. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, not what my I favorite. Not my favorite. Oh really? Oh, yeah. he's my favorite. Oh, he is. Yeah. Well, what do you he's think? Like the, well, what is his appetite? Well, he's like a. What does he eat? He's like a brooding, solitary brooding. guy. I think a lot of like soups and you know Stew. things that a stew. yeah stews and you right. know just pure like energy stuff. Okay. Okay. Energy foods. Okay. I will a big bowl of goulash. <laughs> <laughs> okay yum yum uh, okay and, okay well our next one and our last one is he's a teenager so yeah. that may affect your answer it's spider-man he's a dollar slice he's just having a dollar oh, slice yeah. he's just like give me give it to <laughs> just me just on the go he's a t- i feel like or give he's like he my son goes to this empanada place now where he's like it's a, you could get two giant empanadas for three dollars so it's maybe it's like <laughs> as <laughs> like a just like these and they're really delicious it's just like a bodega that sells like empanadas and so maybe it's like two empanadas for three dollars but it's definitely like a, a like a delicious bargain meal dollar yeah. slice seems good it's a discount because he's spider <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know there, there's that place on the upper west side where the slices are huge they don't cost a dollar but they're mm-hmm. like Three times the size, maybe a dollar seventy. The whole sheet of pizza. Right. It's like a, the whole pizza box <laughs> that you fold over, and then you eat that. So that's it. yeah. That's 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 it. We figured it out. Now I feel like Done. an empanada. Now we can have them all over for dinner. Now I want an empanada. <laughs> all right. I hope you liked my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and follow Full Release and Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Go ahead. Spread the word about this podcast. In the meantime, keep sending us your comments and questions to fullrelease at samb.com. They might even be featured in one of our special bonus episodes exclusively available on Stitcher Premium. Don't forget to tune into Full Frontal with Samantha B. Wednesdays at 10 30 p.m. on TBS, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svia Baron Weinstein with IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me. My name is Samantha B. 
She's going to get her first sponge bath tonight. But yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Do you want us to also zoom in for that? <laughs> we'll zoom in for it. We'll we'll criticize our technique. <laughs> we'll do it on Instagram Live. Yes, that's you're doing first. it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. Here 